Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Verse 7 is key, as a key verse, and it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And so with regard to all spiritual gifts, he says, hey, the, the manifestation of the, the outworking of the Holy Spirit is given to each person. Everybody has some gift. Every believer has at least a gift. And the goal of the gift, and I've always, I've, I've rehearsed this with it over and over, the goal of spiritual gift is twofold. It's for the edifying of the body. Perhaps one of the most common areas of division within the church is unfortunately none other than spiritual gifts. Some might argue they're a thing of the past, while others end up convincing themselves that their gifts make them better than others. However, as Pastor Bill discusses in his message today, spiritual gifts are one of the most unifying aspects of the body. In his study, you'll learn how each and every individual gift is to be used to unify, edify, and more importantly, glorify God. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. All right, so the beginning of, and I'll just recap, we went verses 1 through 9 the last time we were together in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so in the very beginning, the first thing he opens up with is that I, I do not want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. And so this is a chapter where Paul deals with some of the things that become have become very controversial and even divisive within the church. When you look at the church as a whole, one of the things that people divide over almost more than anything else is the work of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One camp says you can't do this. One camp says you, you have to do this to be saved. And you end up with all these different factions where Christ's body is divided. And we'll see in this very same chapter where we're dealing with the gifts, Paul is saying, man, we're all one body. Like God wants us to be united. He wants his body to function as one. And I'll say this right up front. The thing that will help us to walk as one is if we all work out of the same book. Some of the things that I, I know of and some of the beliefs and practices out there, I look at the plain teaching of scripture and I'm like, I don't see it. I don't believe that. I mean, it's clear, you know, how the gifts are to be used. So my job is to try to make it very plain that we would just understand. These are the gifts. These are their proper uses. This is how it's used in context, in order. This will be out of order and Hopefully you guys will have a reference that you could always go back to the word that you wouldn't say, well, my pastor said, but you can go back and say, no, first Corinthians 12, 13 or 14 says, because this is the authority. Amen. And so for a lot of people, that's the issue too. the authority has become a person, it's become a bishop, a pastor, a man. This person said the authority is not me. Authority is God. It is his word. And if we can all let him be the authority that we, we work off of what he says, I think it would help us to be united. So Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. And as he was going to begin to lay them out, we looked at that in verse four to six. Paul spoke of the differences. There is uh, the gifts are diverse. And so we talked about that. when We went through it in Romans 12. There's a list of, of gifts and they're different. They're diverse. Uh, he said the ministries are different. And so we believe that's the Ephesians 4, the offices, pastor, teacher, so forth and so on. The offices are different. Then the activities are diverse. And this is in verses 4 through 6 right here. I'll read it. It said there are diversities of gift, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversity of activities, but the same God who works all in all. 
And again, as I, I just hear unified, he says, hey, there are different gifts, there's different offices, and there's even different activities. And so we talked about that, that you might have two people with the gift of evangelism, same gift, but the activity is different. One guy is great at one-on-one evangelism, just leading people to the Lord left and right. Another guy does, you know, stadium evangelism, preaching the gospel like Billy Graham to thousands of people come forward to receive the Lord. Same gift, different activity. And so as he lays these things out, we, we can understand that maybe I have a certain gift. I can't compare it to somebody else because we're unique. God's given us different gifts, different activities. They're, they're exercised in different ways. So he, he explains that here. Verse 7 is key. as a key verse. And it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And so with regard to all spiritual gifts, he says, hey, the, the manifestation of the, the outworking of the Holy Spirit is given to each person. Everybody has some gift. Every believer has at least a gift. And the goal of the gift, and I've always, I've, I've rehearsed this with us over and over, the goal of spiritual gifts is twofold. It's for the edifying of the body. And what else? I remember the glory. Write it down. Y'all need to know this. The, the, all the gifts are for two things. They're for the edifying of the body and the glory of God. That's what the gifts should do. If you're, if you're exercising the gift of the Holy Spirit, it should edify the body in some way. and It should glorify God. And so that's what he says right here that the, the, the manifestation is given to each one for the profit of all. If my gift isn't benefiting the body, I have to wonder if it's really a gift. And so that solves a lot of things. You can look at how some of the gifts are abused and realize that I don't think everybody's, I don't think people are benefiting from that. I don't think the body's benefiting from that behavior right there. And we'll, we'll come to tongues. That's, that's one of the most controversial ones. And we'll deal with that today as we get into it. So the last time we were here, we, we covered verse eight. So the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, we covered verse nine, the gift of faith, gifts of healing. And we ended right there. And so I'm going to recap. I'm going to just go back to the gifts of healing. We'll pick up there. If you missed the others, you can go back and, and get the study. It's online. It's on the Calvary Chapel Inglewood app. But just real quick, the word of wisdom is someone that has wisdom that it wasn't learned. It wasn't something that they figured out. It was God gave wisdom. Since wisdom is the ability to know what to do, the right thing to do, it's applying knowledge. An example of that would have been, and I gave it last time, was when Solomon had the two women come and they both came saying one lady's baby died and then they, you know, they have one baby left and then they, that, that baby was left alive. And so the both women came to Solomon saying the baby that's alive is mine. Well, it couldn't be both of theirs. But how would he know? How would he be able to say, no, nah, that one looks more like you, you know, or that one looks more like he wouldn't. He didn't know. And then he had a word of wisdom. He said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. He says, give me the baby. Bring me a sword. Let's split them in half and you guys both get half. And then the woman that objected uh, was the real mom. She said, no, 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 no. Just let her have him. He said, all right, that's the mom. That was wisdom. Now, I wouldn't have, if two women came here that I don't know with one baby and they both said it was theirs, I, I, you would need supernatural wisdom. And so that's the word of wisdom. We need that within the body of Christ. There are times where situations arise, things come up, and we need people with that particular gift to be able to say, you know, this is what we're supposed to do here. Um, I, you know, the Lord just gave me this right now. We're supposed to do this. And to where the work is not hindered, the work continues to go forward. So the word of wisdom, there's also, and verse eight, it was the word of knowledge and similar, but different. It's the unique ability, ability to declare knowledge, which could only be revealed supernaturally. So someone that knows something that I could only know this if God showed me, I didn't learn it. I didn't, you know, I didn't look up behind you. 
An example of this would be Jesus in, in John chapter 4. If you guys remember, the woman at the well was speaking to Jesus and they were talking about water. And Jesus said, you know what? He said, go get your husband. She said, I don't, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right. He said, you have five husbands. And the man you live with now is not your husband. Jesus hadn't studied. He hadn't been walking around the area, you know, asking about her. That's the word of knowledge. He just knew. And she said right away, she said, I perceive you're a prophet. She knew she was in the presence of somebody that was operating in the supernatural. And so word of word of knowledge is important as a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that becomes important in the body. Sometimes it, there are things that we need to know that we couldn't otherwise know. It's just God reveals it. God will show you. And I've, I've experienced that within the context of church ministry in a protective way. God just identifying something that was not able. It wasn't known on the surface but to protect the ministry from someone harmful or something that would have been damaging to the work. And so word of knowledge is important. We looked at the gift of faith, supernatural, somebody operating in supernatural faith that, that God gives them the ability to, to, to believe him for supernatural things. And then we moved on and we left off. The last thing we looked at was the, was the gifts of healing. And so look at that with me at the last part of verse nine. It says to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit. This is one of the gifts that is abused. And I think it stumbles people a lot of times because of the abuse of the gift of healing. There are ministries that set up tents and bring people out and, you know, say, you know, the God's going to be here healing this weekend, you know, bring your sick, bring your, you know, whatever you pay to get in as an entry fee. They charge you money to come in and get your healing and you line up in hope that you could be one of those that get selected for a healing. Now, interesting that 2020 and a few different people have done uh, where they've, they've kind of gone behind the scenes and checked these things out. And these people have already pre-planned who gets to come forward. There was a woman that traveled by plane to bring her daughter uh, who was in a wheelchair and, and they were right there in the line. They just kept passing her over. She had called and made appointments and that, that wasn't one that they were going to touch. Uh, many times they're healing things that can't be really verified. Someone limps up and says, I've had this thing in my back. We don't know. And they, again, when they did this report, they found that there was one, there were some people that were in, they were at the LA conference. Then they were at the one in Texas. And so you had the same people coming and getting healed um, and they were probably doing this for profit. Some guy that's still on the TV, I don't even know how people listen to him. His name is Peter Popoff. He was absolutely busted. They actually sent undercovers were following him to his event and they found the radio frequency. So his wife is in the foyer as people are coming in to hey, what's your name, what's your name, getting all the information about them. And so, oh, your name is Tanya. Okay, you have cancer in the in the in the whatever in the lungs, and okay, you've had it for three years. Where do you live? You live in Inglewood. Okay, all right. You, are you family? You have a husband. What's his name? Oh, is he here with you? No, he's at home. Oh, and the kids are sick. Okay, and so he's up there, and he says, "You know what? Right now, hold on. Oh, oh, show about it. That's what they do, and they do. And he says, "You know what? Right now, there's a, there's a, there's Keisha. Where's Keisha? Where you? You've been you've had cancer." For seven years. Yes. And she's blown away and she comes forward and this is an amazing moment. And they have this whole thing on radio. When they busted him on it, he just said, you know, we, we, we do it to ignite their faith. He, he gave a reason. Oh, thank you, bro. Yeah. Give me the Afro puff. All right. Thank you. So, he's, you know, he had a reason for it. And so these sort of things happen. And, and this is what takes place. There'll be people of faith that look at something like that and say, it's all faith. That God doesn't heal at all. That's not true. Then there'll be on the other side of the pendulum, people who have been wounded by that, and they just completely turn off. And so 
the gift of healing, what is it? How does it work? What are the parameters for it? This is what I've seen. Just studying scripture, right? Throughout Jesus' ministry, we see people getting healed. Um, did Jesus heal everybody everywhere? No. He went into some towns and he didn't heal everybody. At the Pool of Bethesda, you remember there was a one guy that couldn't get in? Everybody at the Pool of Bethesda was healed and needed to be healed. And, and when, whenever the water would stir, the first one in would get healed. And Jesus went and just healed one and left, and left everybody else. He didn't heal everybody everywhere. So we read it and it, it sounds like, I mean, he healed a lot of people in a lot of places, but he didn't heal everybody. And so, and this is in Mark 16, Mark 16, 17, 18, where it says, hey, these signs will follow those who believe. They'll take up serpents and drink deadly poisons and not, and not be killed. And, you know, there were signs and wonders that will follow the believer. I think people forget many times in the context of Mark 16, if you got to go back up to verse 14 and 15, 15 and 16, where it says, Go. It was in the context of, as they were going out evangelizing, as they were going out sharing their faith, as they were going out ministering out in the world, God would many times show up through the signs and wonders. It was not typically something that happened in the context of the believers. Not that God wouldn't do it or couldn't do it, but as you look in through Acts and you look as, as they go into town, they're preaching the gospel. You look at when there seem to be uh, signs and wonders moving. It's as the believers are going out. And that's how come some people... You know, testify that men on the mission field, as I went out to do missions, I, I experienced God move supernaturally. God can do whatever he wants, wherever he wants, even within the realm of the church. And so we know that God heals in the church because he's given specific instruction. In James, he says, hey, if there are any sick among you, what do you tell them to do? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And if there's any sin, they'll be forgiven. And so he is a healer. and He's able to heal. But so I would say to the church, you know, that if there are any sick, Make it your habit to come to the Lord first. Make, it that, make that the habit of your home to go to the Lord first. Make it the habit of, of, of make it the habit of your life. You know what, God, I'm going to give you first dibs. You know, we're not Jehovah's Witnesses. We're not telling you don't go to the doctor. You know, don't take medicine uh, if need be. But we live in a culture where we take so much in our own hands. I look back in these cultures where they had nowhere else to go but to the Lord. And guess where they went? To the Lord showed up. We live in a culture where we've been in to 10 doctors, had three procedures and got five vials of medicine and then we go get some prayer. God, would you help too? Could you help? We need to make it our habit to say, God, you know what? You, you could heal me. You could. I'm going to bring this to you first to see what you would do. And so, the gifts of healing but God does still work in that way. I wonder sometimes if people don't believe it. If people just don't believe that God works in that way and so they don't bring it to him. And I will say this, there was one town Jesus went into and he says he didn't do any miracles there because of their unbelief. Y'all don't believe me, but I'm not going to show up. So we don't want to be guilty of that. We don't want to be those that because we don't believe, God says, you know, what? they don't believe. Me. So that because they don't believe, me, they don't even look to me. So that's why they don't experience my working supernaturally in that way. May that not be the case for us. Uh, may we believe God, trust God and come to him with everything. Amen. And so moving on now, look at verse 10. This is where we're picking up where we left off at. It says, to another working of miracles. And so another one of the, the, the manifestations of the outworking of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, is working of miracles. Where do we see this in Scripture? And again, I would just point out that many times as we look at the, these things in Scripture, we see them in the context of people that are going out, ministering the gospel in Acts Chapter 19, verse 11, if you're writing notes, you can write that down. I'm going to read to you. As Paul was moving through an area, I'm going to read verses 10 through 12. It says, and this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia 
heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. This is through the preaching ministry of Paul the Apostle. Then verse 11 says, God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and evil spirits went out. And so it said that these were unusual miracles. These weren't commonplace things, but it was an unusual miracle. It says that when Paul was going about, he'd take off his sweaty handkerchief and, you know, he could only be in one place at a time. They'd take that to where the sick people were and they would be healed. Now, what happens today? Some fool on TV says, call, call right now. He got a pile of handkerchiefs be prayed over him, anointed with oil, and you call, and, and guess what? Do you get it for free? No, you don't. Did Paul charge? No, free. Notice that. No, no one charges for the work of the Holy Spirit. So you want to be you want to be alarmed when you're looking for something from God and someone wants to charge you for it. Bible says freely we receive, freely we give. We can't charge for this. Peter, someone offered Peter money for the, for the laying on of hands. They, they saw that power and they said, oh, I want that. Can I buy it? And Peter said, your money perished with you, thinking you can buy the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't buy this. And so I'm always interested in how many guys are selling it on TV. That should be your first indicator that this is not a work of God because it's free. And a man of God wouldn't charge you. You know how much, if, if I had supernatural healing in my hand, do you know I walk through hospitals? All, that would be my fault. I'd be walking, I'd empty every hospital. I'd go to children's hospital. Let me just touch every baby I see. i just touch, if, 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 it was, if, it was, if it was like that. So I'm blown away that guys will pretend that they have this power, call you to, you got to pay to get in. If a real man of God or a woman of God had power to heal at will, I think they'd be emptying hospitals. A real man of God, a real woman. You'd be healing everybody you could if it worked that way. So you know, it almost angers because I, you know that sometimes people are hurting so bad that they're looking for anything. I mean, they just anything that might be from God. They're open to it because they're hurting so bad. Someone that they love is dying or they're going through it themselves and their children are going through it. And so they're just looking out for they're looking out for God and they're getting these charlatans out there. They're getting people that are ripping them off. And so anyway, we want to be aware of that. So Paul walked around. These are unusual miracles. Now there are guys on TV that want to do it like it's a usual thing. But it was an unusual thing that God was doing at that time. And it was only through Paul that that happened. It wasn't anybody else. There's no one else named in scripture. So the working of miracles. And then it says, I'm sorry, verse 10 says, to another prophecy. Uh, this is one of the abused gifts in our day and age. Here's a definition of the gift of prophecy. The telling forth of God's message in a particular way, always according to his word and according to his work. Um, sometimes... This has the character of foretelling the future. So a prophetic word, it might be sharing something that's just from God, or it could also be sharing something that's future, something that's going to happen. It's a gift that is in operation within the church of Jesus, within the church of God. Today, what you have, you have people coming into churches as prophets. Once again, they charge to come do so, and they'll come just give prophecies. A lot of, if you've ever been to something like that, I'm always amazed at how positive everything is. You go to a ministry where a prophet has been called out, has been paid to come, and everybody's getting ready. God's going to bless you. You're going to get ready to have your breakthrough. You're going to get this thing that you want. You're going to. It's always that way because you know why? That's what people want to hear. You know, if, if, if everybody here, who doesn't want to hear, I'm getting ready to get money. Yeah, me? Oh, yes. How much? Oh, goody. You know, everybody wants to hear that. You get ready to get your breakthrough. Your, your marriage is going to get back right. You're going to, and they just tell everything. You know what? You look in your Bible. You look at the prophet, the ministry of real prophets. It was tough. It was tough work. You know why? Because the people of God are, they, they be jacking up. You bring a real prophet into somewhere and they'll be saying, 
He needs to stop fornicating. He stops stealing from God. You need to stop, you know, that's what it really happened. You bring a real prophet in and, and it just unveils someone to see him beneath the surface. Nathan, the prophet, came to David and said, David, there's a guy. And he had, he had, he had one little sheep. That's all he had. And his neighbor, rich, tons of, you know, everything he could want. He stole that man's one sheep and, and killed it. What should we do to him? And David said, we should kill him. He said, David, thank you, sir. Is that for me? <laughs> we about to go now. <laughs> he said, "He said, David, you are the man." You know that was uh, the real prophetic ministry. So uh, it's a ministry within the church of God where God does move upon people. I've experienced it, and it's always been for me when there is a legitimate prophetic word. It's very encouraging. I've had times where I've known of prophetic words that were warnings to people. I've received for myself a prophetic word that was. The intention was to bring comfort at a later date. But someone, and I, I may have shared this with you guys before, but I had a guy, one of the maintenance guys used to work at Calvary Downey, came up to me before my mother died. We had had a prayer meeting. After prayer meeting, he came up to me and said, hey, he says, we're praying. You know, God just puts something on my heart, so I'm going to share it with you. He said, something's going to happen uh, in the near future in your life that's never happened before. It can never happen again. And God just wants you to know when it happens that he, he's here for you. He's going he's gonna to be with you through it. And it was kind of, I, I heard him. I was like, all right, never happened before. I started trying to think of what, what could happen that never happened before, can never happen again. And I couldn't figure it out. And I just said, well, you know, I, I'll know when it happens. And the day that my mother passed away, uh, I had to drove her car from where she was living, where she was living to park it somewhere else. And I'm having my moment with, I'm praying, I'm crying. I talked to my friend and we prayed and I'm just alone with the Lord, just having a moment with God. And I got a word from the Lord. And then God brought that word back to me. Never happened before. It never happened again. And God is with me. And while I was in the car right there, God gave me a word from Philippians that this thing has actually worked out for the furtherance of the gospel. And so I was to look for what God was going to do through it and not, not, not become depressed over what had happened. For some of you guys know, that was actually the catalyst for us, for me leaving the church and planting this church was through that. And so, but it was a prophetic word. You know, it came to pass exactly as it was said. So, what happens today, because there's so many false prophets and false prophetic words that people begin to just kind of be like, ah, that's some, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hear any of that. And where we want to be open to the Lord moving supernaturally. We want to test all things. What do we test prophecy by? Tested by the word of God. And this is the bottom line. What's the test of a prophecy? Rather, it comes to pass. And it has to come to pass exactly as it was said or was not from God because God can't lie. So if somebody give a prophetic word and it, it, it well, kind of happened, sort of. Some people give real safe prophetic words. God's going to bless you. <laughs> Ain't I blessed every day? I <laughs> mean, I woke up blessed. I'm breathing blessed. I, I got food blessed. I mean, you know, real generic. When I look in scripture, again, prophecies were very specific. They were things that could be verified or denied. Now, that it, it, it happened or it didn't happen. This time tomorrow, you know, when, 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 when Abraham was told, or Sarah, this time next year, y'all going to have a baby. That either going to happen or not going to happen. It's just a, there's no if ands but it next to the extra this time she's on swole or it didn't happen, you know, but but you know, you can verify it. So that's another gift. And so what I encourage people in the body, and I, I said this last time, with regard to these sort of gifts, people have to exercise faith. Every gift requires faith as a as a point of beginning. And so if I have gotten a prophetic word, something God has put on my heart, now I've got to step out in faith to share it. Or it's just sewn away here. And I told you guys last time we talked about this. I can't stand them after the prophecy been fulfilled prophets. 
Those are the people that come after. You know what the Lord told me that was going, man, go on with that. You know, it, it's you, you can't even say it afterwards. You know, yeah, the, I knew that was the Lord show. The Lord show. You become an after event prophet. If you ain't say nothing before and you don't deserve to claim it afterwards. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there, and so he felt compelled to write a direct letter to address the things that were happening among the believers there. The things he wrote about showed that there were problems in the church then, just like there are issues in churches today. Even among believers, there are real sin issues that can derail an entire church if those areas aren't dealt with. Are there areas in your life today that you know need to be addressed? If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, we're here and are ready to answer your call or text. Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We're so glad you tuned in to A Transforming Word. We'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday. And you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll also be able to learn more about this ministry and listen to additional teachings from Pastor Bill. Again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Bill continues to teach through 1 Corinthians. We look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.